0: Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know, it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. The landscape, if we were to compare the Word of God to a landscape of truth, there are a variety of types of topography within this land of truth in the Word of God. Certainly, a part of that, there are mountain peaks, mountain ranges of truth, those high places of truth where the greatness and the grandeur of truth stands out in bold relief. I feel like at times like Moses when I have climbed around on the high places, the mountains of Scripture and at times I feel like I've looked up and seen a burning bush like Moses did and turned aside to go over and behold the sight. And when I did so, found myself to be standing on holy ground. Not just high ground, but holy ground. For there are high places that are holy Places as if we should do as Moses did and remove the shoes from our feet even to study, to read. It is up one of these high, holy places that I want to take you tonight. And we're going to focus in on a ten-word phrase. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. In order to set the context for the 10 word phrase that we're going to look at, I want to read the four verses coming into that phrase and give a few comments as I do. So we're going to begin in Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Paul writes, But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Stop there for a moment. What Paul says here is that God has revealed a way for us to become righteous and not just to become righteous, to actually possess the very righteousness of God Himself. And the way that that happens, he says, is through believing in Jesus Christ. Let's go on, middle of verse 22. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus. So even though all of us have sinned, we can be justified, we can be made right with God by a gift of His grace. And what is that gift? Paul says here that it is the redemption that is in Jesus. Redemption refers to a payment that is made. So Jesus has paid a payment, such an incredible payment, that that payment is enough to free us as sinners from the just judgment of God and give to us, instead of God's wrath that we deserve, give to us the very righteousness of God as our very own. That's the lead-in to the ten words. And now we're going to step into some of the highest, white, hot, holiest ground on the Word of God in the first ten verses of Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Where Paul, referring to Jesus, writes this, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. God put Jesus forward as a propitiation by His blood. Now, I know that sounds like, what in the world does that mean? Well, we're going to unpack that truth in the next 15, 20 minutes here. First, let's focus in on the word propitiation, propitiation. Probably not a word that you've used today, right? Propitiation. In order to understand the power of what Paul is saying here, we need to reach back into Jewish history and get a biblical understanding of what this word propitiation means. The Greek word here is halisterion, halisterion. It literally means this mercy seat. It means mercy seat. It pointed back to a ceremony in the Old Testament that God instituted in Leviticus chapter 16 called the Day of Atonement. He explained. To Moses this ceremony of atonement that the Israelites were to observe on a day every year and he outlined the details of what was to take place on the day of atonement and this was the highest holy day in the Jewish calendar. And what this ceremony is about, it's about appeasing the wrath of God against sin. And so he described to them what they were to do, and they needed to observe it just as he said. For it was the only way that the wrath of God for sin could be turned aside for one more year until the next day of atonement. So, let's look into, as we stand here and look at this white hot burning truth, let's come closer and look into what the meaning was related to this propitiation, this day of atonement. I'm going to give you a few details. There was to be the selection of two goats. The high priest was to select two goats. The first was called the goat for Jehovah or the sacrificial goat. And the second goat was called the scapegoat. This sacrificial goat, this goat for Jehovah, the high priest was to take that goat and was to sacrifice it and shed its blood and take that blood and go to the tabernacle and through the outer courtyard and inner courtyard right up to the holy of holies, the inner sanctum and go behind the veil into the holy of holies, taking the sacrificial blood of that goat for Jehovah and use that blood to pay for sin. To understand the significance here, you need to understand what's in this inner sanctum, this small room within the tabernacle behind the veil, there was one piece of furnishing, it was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark that God had instructed them to make with very detailed plans and within that Ark of the Covenant, there were a copy on stone tablets of the Ten Commandments, the law of God that were carved into those stone tablets that were inside that ark, that golden box within the holy place. And in behind that veil, in that holy place. God dwelt in his Shekinah presence. Here's what that means. There was a visible manifestation of the holiness of God in a Shekinah light, a bright light that hovered over top of the Ark of the Covenant within the Holy of Holies. This was the place where God would dwell with his people. But he was a holy God, so he had to have this holy room over top of the Ark of the Covenant where his Shekinah presence would dwell. And one day a year, the high priest would come in behind the veil into the inner sanctum with the blood of this goat there would be the ark of the covenant there would be the bright light the Shekinah presence of God hovering over the ark and then one other item on top of the ark was a covering or a lid and that lid Covered with gold, had two angels that were made of gold that were on each side of the lid, facing in, wings extended, overshadowing the lid. Let me read to you the description of that lid in Exodus chapter 25, verses 20 and 22. This is how. God told Moses to make the lid, and I want you to listen to what he calls the lid. Exodus 25 verse 20, "...the cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings." Their faces, one to another, toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony." So what was the lid on top of the Ark of the Covenant called? It was called the mercy seat. And the word here in the Hebrew, in Exodus chapter 25, for mercy seat, is the same equivalent word in the Greek in Romans 3.25 For propitiation. Same word, same meaning. Both of them mean the mercy seat. And so what Paul is teaching in Romans 3.25 when he says that God presented Jesus as a sacrifice or a propitiation through faith in His blood, he's looking back into Israel's history, looking to the Day of Atonement, pointing to the lid on the Ark of the Covenant, saying, Jesus is the mercy seat. Same thing, Jesus is the mercy seat. So what did the priest do when he entered on the Day of Atonement as God had instructed him to do? What did he do as he brought in behind the veil on that one day a year, that highest holy day, what did he do with the blood of the sacrificial goat, the goat for Jehovah What did he do to pay for the sins of the people? He took that blood and he splattered it, he sprinkled it, he poured it on top of the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. He poured it on the mercy seat. Just as God had told him to. God saying, if you do that, I will not for one more year pour out my wrath against sin. Why? Well, here's why. Above the ark of God dwelt the holy. Shekinah manifest presence of God and in the ark of God was the tablets of stone on which was carved the law of God, the law that the people had broken. So between the holy presence of God and the broken law of God was the mercy seat on which the blood of the sacrificial animal was poured so between the holiness of God and the law of God broken was the blood so that when God would look down upon the broken law, he would see the blood of the sacrificial animal and he would say, I'm withholding my wrath for one more year against the sin of Israel. The only reason that the holy God would withhold His wrath was because there was blood poured on the mercy seat. Now let's go to the second goat. The second goat was the scapegoat. The scapegoat was not a sacrificial animal. It was a living sacrifice. It wasn't to be a sacrifice on the death, but a living sacrifice. And so the high priest would take the second goat and he would put his hands on the scapegoat and he would confess as he placed his hands on the head of the scapegoat, he would confess the sins of Israel. And by doing that, symbolically place the sin on that goat. And then that goat would be given to a man who would take that goat and take it outside and out into a distant wilderness. And out in the middle of nowhere in a barren wilderness, he would set that goat free never to be seen from again, and then he would return back to the camp of Israel. The Bible tells us that on the cross, Jesus was made sin for us. Actually, the sins of humanity were not literally like the priest symbolically putting his hands on the scapegoat. Not just that, but literally, really, the sins of humanity were placed upon Jesus as if He was the one that committed all of those sins. Guilty before God the holy co-equal co-eternal son now hanging with the sins of the world upon him as the offending party before his holy father so that Jesus' sacrifice like the scapegoat sacrifice, but infinitely greater. Jesus' sacrifice doesn't just turn aside the wrath of God for one more year, it actually takes away sin forever. Forever. Every sin that you, if you put your faith in Christ, have ever committed or will ever commit, all of those on Jesus, Paid for in totality so that you never ever for out eternity can be judged for those sins again. You cannot come into condemnation if Jesus has become your scapegoat because they are gone forever, never to be returned. That's the truth that Paul is getting at in Romans chapter 3 verse 25. So when he says that God put Jesus forward as a propitiation by His blood, it says and it means that Jesus' blood sacrifice is the propitiation, is the place where you come to the mercy seat of God. And it also says and it means means that God the Father gave His Son to shed His blood to accomplish that propitiation. I'm letting that sink in for a moment because where we have entered now in the force first four words of Romans 3.25 are what I believe are the highest, the white, hot, holiest little plot of crown in all of the word of God. Because it says that God put Jesus forward. God The Father put Jesus forward to be the sacrifice. Let me expound upon that for a minute. Yes, it is absolutely true that the Son of God willingly exposed His back to the whipping at the whipping post of Pilate so that His flesh would be "'Ripped from his back with the flagellum. "'Yes, it was the son that bent his head "'and offered his brow to the crown of thorns willingly.'" a brow that had for eternity past been crowned with the diadem of glory. Yes, it was the Son who willingly extended omnipotent arms, now clothed in flesh and pulsing with blood to receive the Roman spikes. Yes, it was the Son that willingly exposed His side, the side that housed the heart of the author of, of life itself, to receive the thrust of the spear. Yes, that is all true. But the more shocking truth, if there can be such a thing, the hotter and holier statement than that, dare we even whisper it, And the only reason we have a right to is because heaven has whispered it. It is this. It ultimately says that it is the Father of infinite love that swung the whip and shaped the crown of thorns for that holy brow. It was the Father of Heaven that picked up the mallet and the Roman spikes and in vengeance against sin with unchecked fury, vindicated His own righteousness by extracting from His very own eternal, co-equal, holy Son the full measure of punishment that is holy justice required. That's what it says. God put Jesus forward. The Father did that to the sun that truth has always been the white hot holy fire of the gospel so in the gospel folks here's what we have in the gospel we have this divine drama in the gospel, in which the Father and the Son take center stage and are the actors that carry out and complete the story themselves. Here's the truth this highest white hot, holiest truth that we are turning aside to gaze into with fear and trembling. The truth is this. It was God who saved us from God by giving His Son by His own will and His own work. It was the Father who took the punishment out of the Son. Now, I don't understand that. There is no human being that can grasp the depths of the infinite love of God there. But we must believe it because it is the undeniable truth of the Word of God, one of the, passages of scripture that was read from Isaiah 53 in verse 10. Listen to it. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. That's what Paul is saying in Romans 3.25, the Father of heaven put forward the holy, eternal, co-equal Son of heaven. God put that Son forward to be the propitiation, the sacrifice for sin. So, conclusion then, what should we do with this truth. Well, here's the first thing that you should do. You should come to the mercy seat if you have not. It's for you. The payment has been made in infinite love. It's been made. A shocking payment that should cause us to tremble when we see it rightly. It's been made so that you as a sinner can come right into the very holy presence of God and His wrath will not break out against you. Instead, you will be given the very righteousness of God if you put your faith in His Son, who is the propitiation, the seat of mercy for you. Second thing that this understanding of the mercy seat should do for us, it should help us to have a growing hatred for sin when we understand what it is and the affront it is to a holy God. And then thirdly, what this should do, is should cause us to understand in a greater way the truth about the holiness of God His holiness cannot fellowship with sin. And so he had to provide an answer for the rebellion that broke out against his law. His justice demanded it because he loves and sin unchecked destroys. And so the God of love had his holiness call for his justice and his justice took the son and killed the son to pay the price for you. Why would you not receive it as a gift of grace? Why would you not receive that incredible act of love for you? Please do so. I implore you by the mercies of God, be reconciled to him through the gift of his son. Worship team, would you come? Let's pray. Father, I feel so inadequate, Lord, to try to talk about such a subject and my only safe place is to try to stay as close to the word as I can for you said what you said in the word and you want it proclaimed and so take that proclamation of this incomparable act of love and do what you want with it in our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.